Welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. I invite you to turn uh, to the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 12, starting at verse 32. Um, That is on page 75 in the New Testament of your Pew Bibles. That's Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat. And he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of God. I am so glad that God has spoken and that the author of the book of Hebrews of the New Testament has written it down and that we, you and I, know that faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Church, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we pray that this morning you will soften our hearts by the wine and by the oil of that same Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you truly will bring your fire, your flame into our lives and warm our cold hearts. We pray, O God, that through the power of that same Spirit, you will again be rushing wind in our lives, that you will blow through this temple, blowing out all the dust that is within us. We thank you, God, that you have promised. You have promised to be with us throughout all of life. We thank you for that promise. We thank you for all of your promises. We thank you, God, that you have spoken. And because you have spoken, now we can be a people of faith. We can be a people of great, great confidence in you. We thank you, God, that you have spoken, and we pray that 
we will hear you speaking to us today through your word. So we ask, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Faith is one of those words that we use a lot in the Christian community, but actually the whole world around us uses the word faith quite a bit. We need to make sure we in the community of faith know what the word faith means. There is the reality that to a certain extent, everyone lives by faith. Coming here this morning, driving out on the roads, you were living by faith. You were driving by faith. Whenever you proceeded through a green light, you were living by faith that the people stopped at the red light. When you made your way through intersections and you did not have the stop sign, you were living by faith that the people who had the stop sign actually did that. They stopped. Right now, you are living by faith that that pew upon which you're seating will hold your weight. In so many ways, we all live by faith. And we don't even think about it sometimes. We, we really couldn't live without faith. But oftentimes in the society around us, if we were to ask, what is faith? I think most people assume they know what faith is. And they think that faith is just some vague belief that everything is going to turn out okay. And that's a good belief. It's good to be optimistic. And that's basically what that is. That's just optimism, not necessarily biblical faith. I think if you were to ask people in this society to define faith, they would talk about faith as perhaps being a leap in the dark against the evidence that they may know concerning life itself. And that may be good, too. Sometimes we need to take those leaps of faith and, and do things that are contrary to the evidence around us. And while thinking about faith in those terms is not a bad thing, that's not necessarily what the Bible b believes about faith. That's not necessarily what the Bible teaches concerning faith. So it is important that we understand what the Bible means when the Bible speaks of faith. The way the world around us conceives of faith is, is good for as far as it goes. I call their vision, their version of faith, generic faith, just a vague optimism that they want to hold on to in life. And that's certainly fine. It helps us through life at times. But Faith in the Bible is so much more than that. And I hope that we really are a people of faith, people of biblical faith. We understand what faith means. Here in the book of Hebrews, and I so love the book of Hebrews. I hope you love the book of Hebrews. We'll be hanging out this week and next week in Hebrews chapter 11. I hope that you will go home from the service today and begin over the course of the next week meditating on what is written here in Hebrews chapter 11 particularly. We are looking at chapter 11, and in chapter 11, preeminently in the Bible, we are taught what faith is. 
we're actually painted picture after picture after picture as to what faith looks like. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, the very first verse, which is really the thesis statement for the whole chapter, is that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, is the conviction of things not seen. Hear the word assurance. Hear the word conviction. Again, it's not just a vague hope that somehow everything's going to turn out okay. In the Bible, faith is so much more than that. You see, faith is only as good as the object in which you place your faith. You know, if that pew were to literally let you down, then your faith was not well placed in that pew. If those people run the red light or ignore the stop signs and hit you, your faith in them to stop was not well-placed faith. Faith is only as good as the object of our faith. That's why when we turn to the Scriptures, the Bible is very clear on what the Bible means by faith, and we need to be clear what we mean by faith. Faith is inextricably linked to God. Faith for us, when we use that marvelous word, is all about a confident trust in God. Faith really is confidence. Living in faith means to live with great confidence, but it's not just a generic confidence. It's confidence in God. Always in the Bible, faith is expressed in regards to the object of our faith, God. That's why we can live with a confident trust in God, because we know the character of God. And because we know the character of God, we know who God is, we know that God is faithful. And that's why we can hold on to the promises of God, because we know the character of God. So faith is very specific for us. In the Bible, faith is this confident trust in the character and the promises of God. I hope that you know both well. It's one thing to believe in God. It's a completely different thing to believe God. In the Bible, faith is always linked to the fact that God has spoken. And because God has spoken, and because we know the character of God, we can trust the promises of God, those promises that we have received from the God who has spoken a couple of nights ago, I visited over at hospice, and I visited one of the very elderly Methodist preachers who has been a mentor to me in many ways, and I, he may have passed away since I saw him on Friday evening. He's, he's making that transition from this world into the next. Uh, his name is Artis Payne. Some of you may know Artis. Artis is a native of our area here. He lives out here off uh, on the Lexington Avenue extension. When I was sent to my first full-time church, which was Montlou Avenue United Methodist Church over here at Five Points, I was sent there 33 years ago, and I followed Artis Payne. That's how I met Artis and his wife, Aileen. And I was so green. I was so fresh. I don't even dare say I was so ignorant when I went to that church, my first full-time appointment. I had just, just turned 25 years old. I was so young. 
But Artis, who was much more seasoned than I was, he was leaving that church for another church, and he did such a remarkable job of preparing my way to come in as pastor of that congregation. And I will be forever grateful to the way that Artis Payne prepared uh, my entrance to that church. He had to keep calming those people down. One of the persons actually told me at one point, he, he said to me, we asked for a younger pastor, but you're ridiculous. <laughs> they didn't quite mean 25 years old. Uh, one person actually came to the parsonage one day, and Tammy answered the door of the parsonage, and the person asked Tammy if her father was at home. <laughs> they couldn't imagine someone as young as I was at that point, being appointed as pastor of that church. But Artis did a great job of preparing the way for me. When I visited Artis the other night over here at hospice as he's making his transition, I prayed for Artis, prayed with Artis, and I prayed something that I have found myself praying so many times throughout the years. I always thank God throughout all of life, but particularly in those moments as someone's making the transition, I thank God that not one word of God's promise has ever failed us. Not one word of God's promise has ever failed artist pain or any one of us. That's what faith means. We know the promises of God because God has spoken. And because God has spoken and we know who God is, we can receive his promises and we can live with the confidence of knowing that not one word of God's promise has ever failed us. And we, we live by faith in such a way that we don't let the circumstances of life confuse us concerning that truth. We don't let our feelings tell us something else. We know who God is. And because we know who God is, God has spoken, and we know the promises of God, and we can rely on those promises. Because as the book of Hebrews says several times, you heard it a few moments ago, further into chapter 11, uh, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 10, for he who promised God is faithful. We can trust God. We can live with a tremendous amount of confidence in our lives. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, we are told at the opening thesis statement that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, not just wishful thinking, but the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We know that the spiritual world is more real than this physical world. We know that the spiritual laws that operate in the universe are more real than the laws of nature, something such as the law of gravity. We know this. So again, faith is not just some vague understanding or hope or wishful thinking that things are going to turn out okay. Faith for us is tied to God, the God who has spoken and the God who has promised. And because of who God is and what God has said, we can live at a different level than the world around us, on a different plane from the world around us. That's the thesis statement here at the beginning of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And then as you go through the chapter in this great hall of faith that you find here in chapter 11, you see this great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Here in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, I hope that you'll meditate on it throughout the week to come. You see that the author of Hebrews starts off talking about Abel and then speaks of Enoch and then speaks of Noah and eventually gets to Abraham and continues 
as he continues talking about this hall of faith that's being presented. Every time we come into this beautiful sanctuary, hopefully these beautiful stained glass windows will remind us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And they're witnesses to a specific thing. They're witnesses to faith, their faith in God. And their faith in God calls them, allow them to live differently from the world around them. The text that was read for a few moments ago by Jacob defined faith and then it started talking about Abraham. Throughout this whole chapter 11, there are two words that occur together 18 times. So you begin to get the point that these two words are important. Throughout chapter 11 of Hebrews, the two words that occur 18 times are by faith. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham. Abraham was told to go. Abraham was told to leave his home. And the text says that he set out not knowing where he was going. Most of the time before we start a trip, most of the time before we leave our homeland and move somewhere else, we know the destination. We know where it is to where we're traveling. But Abraham is an example of faith because God said go. God said leave your homeland, leave your family, leave everything that you know and go. And it says here in the text, Abraham went forth not knowing where he would end up. He just knew God said go. That's a picture of faith. This great trust, this great confidence in who God is that allows us to believe what God has said. And we base our lives on that reality more than we base our lives on any feelings we have about circumstances around us. So by faith, God said, go, and Abraham went. By faith, Abraham believed God, according to this text in Hebrews. When God said, again, faith in the Bible is always inextricably linked to the fact that our God is a God who has spoken. God spoke to Abraham and to Sarah and said, you're going to have a child. Now, they were old, very old at this point. It says in the book of Hebrews, Sarah, as far as everybody knew, was barren at this point. So for them to believe that they were going to have a child, and that's what God told them, they had to really forget everything they knew about biology at this point in order to accept a higher reality. So for us, faith is a confident trust in God that leads us to a confident obedience in doing what God has called us to do. God has spoken. The words have been written down for us. And we can trust this God who has spoken. God writes this truth. And in Jesus Christ, we experience truth himself. In Luke chapter 17, the disciples are gathered around Jesus. And evidently, they've been watching Jesus' life closely. And in Luke chapter 17, the disciples ask Jesus a very simple three-word request. And by the way, it's a good prayer that we should memorize. In Luke chapter 17, the disciples look at Jesus and they simply say to Jesus, increase our faith. And according to Luke, Jesus at that point said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, 
the smallest of all seeds, then you could say to this mulberry tree, evidently they were standing beside a mulberry tree, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, I don't think God's telling us that we should be, you know, overly concerned about moving, moving trees because of the power of our faith. But I think what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is that faith is one of the greatest powers in the world. Again, back to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. As you read your way through the book of Hebrews, you're going to keep hearing what all these men and women of faith accomplished in their lives because of their faith. We should learn to pray that prayer. Increase our faith. And we need to understand what we mean when we say faith. One of my favorite, most influential heroes of the faith in recent years is a lady, and you perhaps will know her, Corey Ten Boom. In so many ways, my life and my ministry has been blessed by the witness of Corey Ten Boom. Every time I go to Israel, one of the things we do in Jerusalem is we go to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum there in Jerusalem. If you think the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is a powerful experience, you should go to the one in Jerusalem, created in the Jewish state by the Jewish people. And when you go to Yad Vashem, there's a walkway outside some of the buildings. It's called the Avenue of the Righteous Gentile. And across, around, surrounding that walkway are trees that are planted, and there's monuments to the righteous Gentiles that the Jewish community so appreciate. And there's a tree planted. There's a, there's a plaque there to Corrie Ten Boom, one of those righteous Gentiles. She wasn't Jewish. Let me make sure you understand something about Corrie Ten Boom. Um, she was born in the latter years of the 1800s. She was born in the Netherlands. Her father, Kaspar, was a watchmaker. And Corey Ten Boom decided she'd be a watchmaker. And I'm sure she thought that her whole life was going to be about watchmaking. In 1922, she became the first female licensed in the Netherlands to be a watchmaker. But then came the rise of Nazism. And the Nazis took over the Netherlands. And Corey Ten Boom and her father, Kaspar, and, and her sister, Betsy, were devout Christians. They were people of biblical faith. They knew God. They didn't just believe in God. They believed, in, they believed God when God spoke. And they received the promises of God. And that impacted every moment of their lives. So when Nazism came to power, Caspar and Betsy and Corey decided they had to help the Jewish people there in their hometown. So they created a room in their home. And they called it the hiding place. The book that was written about Corey Ten Boom by Corey Ten Boom is entitled The Hiding Place. It came out in 1971, and then a movie was made out of it. So a lot of people know Corey Ten Boom. Uh, she participated a lot with Dr. Graham in his crusades. She um, was eventually arrested by the Nazis because of the way that she and her father and her sister uh, helped save Jews from the scourge of Nazism. She was arrested. They were arrested. Right after they were arrested, her father, Caspar, died. 
And Corey and her sister Betsy ended up in a concentration camp, camp, Ravensbrück. And while they were in that concentration camp that there at Ravensbrück, they had a Bible. It was, uh, it was uh, sneaked into her. And they used that Bible, and they witnessed to their faith constantly there in that concentration camp. Corey and her sister Betsy did. And they brought a lot of comfort and strength to the other people there in that concentration camp. And they're there because they helped take care of the Jews, the Jews there in their community, that they welcomed into their home, and they hid them in their hiding place. And by the way, as an aside, they never tried to convert the Jews that they kept because Caspar, Corey, and Betsy's father said, God's people are always welcomed in my house. They never tried to convert the Jews. They just received them. And as a result of protecting them, taking care of them, they ended up being arrested. Caspar died right after they were arrested. In just 15 days, 15 days before Corey was freed from the concentration camp, her sister Betsy died. Wouldn't that be frustrating? Had Betsy lived just another 15 days, she would have found freedom out of that concentration camp. After Corey Tim Boom was freed from the concentration camp, she spent the rest of her life in ministry witnessing to her faith. She was in over 60 countries witnessing to her faith. Finally, uh, when she was about 85 years old, she retired to California. I hope you understand the word retirement is not in the Bible anywhere. We just change the way we work for God throughout our lives. She um, moved to California when she was 85 years old from all of her traveling, all of her preaching, all of her witnessing to her faith. And she died when just a few years later. She's only been dead since 1983. There's so much that Corey Ten Boom said that has taught me wonderful things about what it means to be a person of faith. I commend her to you. I commend her book, The Hiding Place, to you. I commend her witness to you. One of the things she said, and I close with this, as she talked about faith, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. In a few moments, we're going to walk out of this place and go into the world to do ministry on behalf and through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I hope that we go ahead and make the decision once again that we are going to exchange any fear we have for faith. The opposite of fear is not courage, because we, the opposite of fear is not courage, it's faith. I hope that we will go ahead and make the decision to exchange our fear for faith and that we make the decision that we're going to walk out of this beautiful sanctuary with our head held high, with great confidence, great trust in the character of God who has offered us some remarkable promises. I hope that we go out of this place with our head held high, people of great confidence, not confidence in who we are, but confidence in who He is. Hope that we go forth from this place holding fast, as the book of Hebrews says, to our confession of hope. Because he who promised is faithful.
He is. That's why not one word of God's promise to us has ever failed us. It's important we know those promises. Not one word of God's promise has ever failed us. That's why we'll walk out of these doors and we'll be part of that mighty stream of the people of faith, biblical faith, that is flowing throughout human history and showing the world this confidence that we have because of who God is and because of what God has promised. Let's stand and sing.